feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody. Dom and Chris here once again uh, for the Sports Experience Podcast. And uh, before we begin, as always, uh, we're recording down here at Angle Studio here in downtown Tucson, which is available for all of your audio needs. Um, also, make sure you give us a like, follow, subscribe on all our social media and the podcast social media, and uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube and Spotify. Uh, we got a lot of quality content, some episodes you guys seem to be enjoying coming yeah. out lately. So, uh, yeah, make sure you all uh, jump on board with that. And uh, Chris, we got another special episode today. We're in the block. We're in the middle of our block, brothers in baseball, brothers, brothers, and we're talking about the Puerto Rican Kenny Powers. <laughs> Who do we got today? We have Roberto Alomar. Uh, Roberto Alomar Velasquez, brother of Sandy Alomar Jr., who, who we did the... our last episode on. Uh, born February 5th, 1968 in Ponce, Puerto Rico. Uh, grew up in Salinas with his dad, Sandy Alomar Sr., former all-star second baseman for the California Angels. Um, also his mom, Maria, uh, older sister, Sandia, and older brother, Sandy Jr. And... Unlike Sandy, who was into dirt bike riding and uh, karate, baseball was this guy's thing from the very beginning. Yes, he, he was. Like we said in the previous episode where Sandy wasn't as interested, baseball was life for him right off of the bat. Yeah. You know, it was the Sandlot. It, yeah, basically. In Puerto Rico. And there was uh, an angry dog on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. that would always eat the baseballs and bury them under the uh, house uh, at the neighbor's house there. Uh, anyway, he would spend uh, his summers, though, with his dad and his brother um, going around hanging out in MLB locker rooms. Yep. Um, Nolan Ryan showed him how to pitch. So I think that's pretty, pretty fantastic. I was going to say, he had this dream life of coming up in baseball and knowing all like seeing these stars on tv and all of that shit and then being like whoa i'm gonna meet him and then we're gonna pitch together you know like it's it's crazy i might play against these guys one day well we'll see we don't know um three of his uncles in addition to his dad also played in the puerto puerto rican winter league and uh the caribbean world series uh he would go to games and do homework in the dugout yep but he was put on this earth to do one thing play hockey mm-hmm. i mean baseball oh shit <laughs> at age six you could tell he was just a natural baseball player though yeah. uh scout some playing pepper with his dad and he jokingly asked his dad to sign him age six already getting it's like toddlers and tiaras only for baseball that's what it is at age seven he was an all-star in the salinas little league with his older brother he was playing on like 12 year old teams at like age seven yeah he was him and his brother i saw would play on the same uh teams all the time but they suspended him and disqualified him because he wasn't old enough which is like the exact opposite of what happens in the in caribbean the, in- where you lie about your age to be younger <laughs> he was a hard seven chris but it, it's it's interesting where we see it even in the in his uh, minor league career where he he breaks on earlier than his brother. You know, it's the to me it's the natural ability as well as the team's uh, need for the position he plays. Yep. Because when you are a toolsy second baseman who can switch hit and has speed, a little bit of pop in your bat, and can hit for over three hundred every season, pe- people are gonna like you. People yeah. are gonna like you. Um, in uh, 
basically when he played at 16 um, in Caguas of the Puerto, Ric- Puerto Rican Winter League, manager Felipe Alou, you know who that is? Uh, Dad of uh, Moises played Mo- yeah. in MLB. He said, he was the best I had ever seen. He was a natural and definitely had the instincts you just don't teach. So, you know, he's probably going to play professional baseball at this point. And on February 16th, just after his 17th birthday in 1985, he signs with the Padres, where his dad's a coach in the organization. His brother's been signed a couple years before. He was a hot prospect, though, more so than Sandy, because there were other teams after him. Did you hear about why he went to San Diego? No. So basically, he got $50,000 to sign, and the Padre scout that signed him, Luis Rosas, was a family friend of Sandy's. Oh, so yeah. he paid the stud fee. That he makes sense. He was the one that did it. That makes sense. So he signs with the Padres, and in 1985, he's 17 years old, and he's on the same team as his older brother there in Charleston. And these two are lighting up the minor leagues. That's the thing. Like yeah. we were talking about his brother um, winning the minor league most valuable player and like that kind of stuff. But like you were saying, the Padres don't need a catcher. They need this they need- five-tool prospect to come up, and he ends up Literally, like you almost see it in these minor leagues where he he's like they're like oh no no we're gonna bring him up as soon as possible yeah like we need to he's that good yes like his first it's funny he's only seventeen and out in Charleston oh in Charleston his, yeah yeah uh, that first season his dad is there and his mom's there and his brother's there and they're all living together he hits two ninety three with thirty six stolen bases he said uh, his manager uh, Jim Scalen said he was tearing up the league against older college players. Like, so unlike Sandy, who kind of has to stop for a little bit mm-hmm. in his minor league, he's just shooting he's up. just shooting straight up. Yeah, uh, this next season in Reno, um, he talks about how it helped him mature on $700 a month, living on his own. Um, had a fantastic year. Um, it's, uh, he said he had no car and had to walk everywhere taking the Shoelace Express. It's 346, 49 RBIs, and 14 steals. So in 87, he's with Sandy again in double A. Yep. And this is basically just a one-two punch. Both living in a single bedroom, like stepbrothers, somebody's teabagging someone else's drum set, and they're playing quality baseball. They asked his dad, I saw this, they're like, can we have bunk beds? (laughs) I don't give a fuck. You should be more focused on playing Tulsa next week. Oh, they're in Wichita. Uh, he hits three nineteen with twelve dingers, forty three still. So, like one thing about Robbie is, especially up until really his early thirties, those stolen base numbers are really high. Yes, and he was a threat on the base every single time, and and he had all of the tools that we talk about with the speed, in addition to you know probably the best defensive second baseman that we're going to see he's got a it's not quite ozzy smith but for second baseman it's the yep. ozzy smith equivalent sizzle reel yep. i'll say um in 1988 um heading into spring training after such a great season at double a uh there were high hopes that he'd make the big club and in spring training he hits 360 with a 10 game hitting streak and larry boa his manager up in san diego said 
The kid is a finished product. All he has to do is go out there and play. He has all the tools. Just turn him loose like that Lover Boy song. Seriously, though. like, And that's what everybody was saying with him going through these minor league teams. They were just like, oh, he's ready to go to the next team. Oh, he's ready to go to the next team. <laughs> and then you see him right now where the Padres were just like, yeah, he's literally a finished product ready for our major league team. I had read, though, that um, they were hesitant to bring him up, even though he had such a strong spring, because uh, the last couple of years they tried to bring up double-A second baseman who kind of had issues. Granted, both were future all-stars in Bip Roberts and Joey Cora, but Boa had to tell him, I told him he did everything I asked. I just told him to keep his head up. It's a long season. The chances of Robbie coming to the big leagues in 1988 are pretty good. He only played in nine games in AAA. He was leading the league in RBIs with 14 before they were like, okay, we can't do this anymore. And makes his major league debut April 22nd at Jack Murphy Stadium, 1988. And who's on the mound for his first at bat, Chris? Spiderweb. Some might call him the Express. <laughs> These sports spiderwebs, where some might have thought this train might have been going through. Nope. But this Nolan Ryan Express. And this is why <laughs> you're right. This is why I really do love the shit with sports, is he gets his first professional hit off of Nolan Ryan after he was just like, no, 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 I know what he's going to pitch because he taught me how to pitch. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Cr- it's such a great... As a child, and it's like, oh, he's he's 40 years old now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, he's 40 well. years old. Um, so he has a great rookie season, you know, ends up playing every day because unlike his younger bro- or older brother, there's nobody there. Yeah. There's nobody there. So he finishes fifth in the NL Rookie of the Year. Hits 266, uh, 24 doubles, 24 stolen bases, nine dingers, and sets himself up better in 1989. Like, this is, and this, if you didn't know as a huge Padre, this is when I'm watching baseball and really starting to enjoy it. And Robbie is like my one of my favorite players, like oh, one of my sure. favorite players of all time. I have, my dad and I started collecting Al, Robbie Alomar cards at this time. Like, you know that joke that I have about my mom where she's like, well, we want grandkids. And I'm like, well, I want the McRib to come back year round and to play second base for the Padres. Yeah, this is the reason why this guy. So in 89, uh, team finishes second in the NL West. He leads the NL in plate appearances this year. Hits 295. 27 doubles, 56 RBIs, 42 steals. That's incredible. Like, he's... 21 years old and a unbelievably great defensive second baseman yeah that's the thing that everybody kind of they look at like either offense or defense you're just like oh yeah he was the all-around great baseball player that you want in your franchise obviously san diego sticks with him for his whole career yes they do Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is this is the point where i can can feel you (laughs) steaming up this is the point where i'm writing letters dear robbie i feel like i can recall you robbie because we're so much alike that's true holy shit they're stickers (laughs) so and he's 21 years old 21 his offensive game is coming right along with his defensive game, making sizzle reel defensive plays. And in 1990, he's an all-star, as we discussed in our last episode with yep. his brother and his dad's on the coaching staff. Yep. Hits 287, 27 doubles, five triples, 60 ribbies, six dingers, 24 steals. Gold glove caliber defense. He's 22 years old. People like Commissioner Faye Vincent, after seeing him for the first time, are going, that's a Hall of Famer right there. Mm-hmm. 1990, you're thinking, ooh, in 91, there are great things ahead, Chris. There are great things ahead. And then 
Not in San Diego, there aren't. <laughs> well, it's not a horrible trade like his brother. Um, it, but it's, uh, it, it is giving away the future. And when and if you look at the trades that happened with him and his brother and San Diego, it, it really is like, hey, we're going to try and win this year, and we don't care about winning the next decade. And you're just like, God damn it. Oh, God. This so, is the worst way to run a franchise. I remember my dad telling me what happened, and I was just like, it was one of those Nancy Kerrigan moments where yeah. you're like, why? Yeah, seriously, though. December 5th, 1990, I uh, said goodbye to my childhood when Robbie and Joe Carter, who that got from freaking Cleveland the oh, year yeah, before, yeah. when they sent Sandy away, they only gave him one season. They trade both of them to Toronto for all-star shortstop Tony Fernandez mm-hmm. and future Hall of Fame first baseman Fred McGriff, which on paper... Not bad. You think, okay, Gary Templeton's gone. We're going to put Fernandez in at short. Going to have a spot finally for Bip Roberts. Fred McGriff's going to play first base. It all made sense. That's what I mean. On, on paper, in this, when this trade happened, you're like, all right. But man, do the Padres just shit. It's not even they shit the bed, but they just have the worst luck with these They trades. both made all-star teams in San Diego. McGriff won the home run title, I think, in 1992 for them. They just never lasted more than two seasons with them. That's what I mean. They they traded away the future for, you know, two seasons. So cut salary and cut my soul into pieces. But this is actually a fantastic trade because Toronto was one of the teams that was actually heavily pursuing him coming out as a Mm 17-year-old. General manager Pat Gillick had wanted him, and we'll talk about him later, joining him. Uh, another time there uh, after his stint in Toronto. But this is probably the best thing to happen to him because he goes to a completely stacked team and a team that actually wants to win baseball games. I was going to say, a playoff-ready team. Um, He fits right in as a young, you know, great player. Yeah, and a team of young, great players. And uh, we'll say this year in May, he uh, is the final out. In another spider web of a game of Nolan Ryan's mm-hmm. seventh no hitter, I think that's the pretty interesting and cool. I, yeah, I was gonna say thing. nice little sports spider web like you know we like. So uh, he has a career high six hundred thirty seven at bats, eleven triples. Take that, Frank Thomas. Forty one doubles, fifty three steals, nine dingers. Hits two ninety five. Wins his first Gold Glove. Wins is an All Star. Yep, and. They make the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. and he has an incredible ALCS where he hits 474. Unfortunately, Kirby Puckett destroys Toronto's dreams, but he's rewarded because his contract is going to come up in the next couple of years. They extend him by three years and $14 million, which I think was the most for any second baseman at that point in Major League Baseball, which now guys are making double that per season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then in 92... The success just doesn't. We're now we're entering the era of like the prime of his career, and, and this is where I feel like this team really kind of hits their stride. Where you see them lose to the Twins the year before '92, kind of everybody kind of hits their you know yeah their Blue Jay stride. Uh, All Star Gold Glove, 105 runs, 310 batting average. Um, 76 ribbies, 49 stolen bases, wins a silver slugger. He had, as far as extra base hits, 40, 
43. Mm-hmm. For a second baseman for a at second, this time yeah. that's not named Ryan Sandberg, that's pretty amazing. And he wins the silver bat in the AL. Uh, they win the uh, AL East. And in the ALCS, he has quite the series. He has quite the series in the ALCS. Uh, we're talking game six? We're talking game four. Oh, game four. You're right. I'm yeah. trying to see it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about it, Chris, because sure. this is an iconic moment in probably postseason history and Blue Jays history, I would say. Um, so, and I, I forget who had the quote, but they said that um, they obviously wouldn't have gone forward if he didn't hit this home run off Dennis Eckersley in game four. Top of the ninth. Which, it, it's such an interesting thing where you think about these Blue Jays, they make this trade, they get this one guy to the stack team, and he does this thing that really, like, <laughs> has this moment that you can almost stamp and be like, because it really is, Yeah. Well, up to that point where we talked about in our Steve episode, they would go to the postseason and then just get just either collapse or get the shit kicked out of them. Yep. And ties the game at six on a two-run dinger. Heckersley tries to jam him with a fastball, and he just turns it. And, he, and yep. when it's gone, he throws his hands in the yeah, air. Yeah. Just like it's a great pimping it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they win game four. They're able to win the series. Uh, that ties the game. They win an extra seven to six. Uh, they end up winning in six games. And he's the ALCS and, MVP. Yep. Uh, Which makes sense. I mean, but he, I watched these games, right, like recently over the last week. They could not get him out yep. in this entire series, no matter what they did. Hit 423 in the series. And they go to the World Series this year, Chris. And what happens? Is this the first time that the Blue Jays went to the World Series? Yeah. It is, right? time a Canadian team ever went. Yeah, it yeah. was the first time a Canadian team, too, went. All right. Yeah. Um He's a, he's the hero again. That's yeah. the only thing I can really say about. He's so clutch, Chris. He's I was so just clutch. gonna say he's such a clutch. And this is what I was saying because I glanced down. Um, game six. It, it's such a weird in thing. the World Series. In the World yes. Series, uh-huh. it's such a weird thing when you think about this young player, but he's been playing for you know three or four years at this point, but is so right in it in this world series so clutch against david winfield a two-run double in the 11th yeah he scores off the winfield double yeah uh-huh and it, it not the hero but like like i said stamps like why he was brought into this team to then win this world series well i mean you think about it he'd been preparing for this when he was doing homework in the dugout of That's caribbean true. world series games That's like true. i mean going around with his dad i mean he's just like oh no I'm supposed to be here. You've been planning it? Yeah. Been planning, planning it, it for years. years. And then he made out with the hot lifeguard. Did you hear that? He said he planned that. <laughs> Sandy's like, oh, he was planning it. <laughs> but also in that World Series, in Game 3, he singled in the, uh, I believe, oh, top yeah. of the ninth and scored the winning run off of Avery. Oh, I, yeah. So, so, yeah, that's what I mean. He was literally clutch for the Blue Jays, the Padres are kicking themselves Oh, at this point. I'm a sad panda, Chris. Uh, after the uh, uh, World Series Winfield, a uh, future Hall of Famer, former Padre who left over money, said, you're one of the best players I've ever seen. Yeah. Which is pretty r- damn ridiculous praise. And then in 93, what do they do again? I mean, it just... They go right back. All-star, gold glove, third in the league in batting. This was a year... He almost went back-to-back silver slugger, too. Like it, Just like there's not one part of his game that wasn't at the top echelon. No. You know what I mean? Like It was literally like every category you were like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
Look Robbie's at you there. there. Look at you there, Puerto Rican Rogers Hornsby. <laughs> Look at, oh, that's a great one. Yes. He hits 326, 35 doubles, 17 dingers, 93 RBIs, and 55 stolen bases. Like you said, there's not one area of his game where you're like, he's not very good at that. And it's not even like he's. there's not one area of his game where he's mediocre. You're, or, yeah. You know what I mean? He's literally at the top of all, and you're just like, yeah, I mean, Robbie. <laughs> like you look, you, his dad was a great slick fielder. Not much of a switch hitter. Robbie, everything. Yes. Had everything going for him. Hits almost 300 in the ALCS against the White Sox. And the 93 World Series hits 480. They could not get him out. So just to put it in perspective, every other time he came to the plate, he got a hit. Then again, in that 93 Phillies episode we talked about, there weren't a lot of those games where guys were getting out very often. True. But still, it's a batting average in the most clutch series that you look at and you're just like god i wish uh, every single team wished they had a player like this you know like Like, you're just thinking man you're looking and you're looking at sandy killing it in cleveland and you're like that is some powerful sperm mr alomar yeah someone got that stud fee stud fee for sure uh 95 uh 94 again all-star and gold glove uh but this is when the blue jays kind of start hitting the skids players are getting uh, not robbie specifically but players on the roster are getting older players are getting traded yep 95 um a very odd season uh he sits out a game in july after david Cohn is traded so he does that in protest a stalker of a fan uh Goes to his room at the Skydome Hotel and talks about murdering him. I so saw that. there's that That's one. That's always fun. Um, still wins an All Star and Gold Glove, but uh, is this the? I think this was the season he went 104 games without a error. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is such a crazy because he wins this Gold Glove. He's like we said, extremely defensive, but he is kind of um, disgruntled in the fact that he felt like this Blue Jay team could have won more World Series and they're just kind of breaking it up. They were breaking it up because they they threw everything in the kitchen sink after that Alomar Carter trade to build this roster and then they're just like, well, fuck it, we can't afford it. Yeah, that, and, and that's Especially what Especially after the strike and they didn't bring the salary cap into baseball and they, you yep. know... But after 95, uh, the media and some of the fans are kind of starting to turn against him because mm. he's you know, entering a contract year. And he said, I would have gone back if they offered me anything, but nobody offered him anything. But former Blue Jays GM Pat Gillick is now in Baltimore. And in December of 95, he signs with the Orioles for three years, 18 million. This is when he becomes the hired gun. At the, like, yes. You can almost like a Kenny Lofton, not, it's not like, nice like Kenny Lofton like where he's everybody's buddy but you know you're getting a professional looking to make deep postseason runs but I was gonna say when a when a team wants to go for a postseason run or like at least they're building for it for a couple of years they go and get Robbie to be their clutch second baseman yeah uh Orioles are exactly doing this they got Callie Rip and he was excited to play with him Callie Ripon and Junior starts out his career in Baltimore awesome he's hitting 410 into june mm-hmm. former teammate tony gwynn says he has the ability to hit a home run or work the count and hit a double down the opposite line and do whatever he wants to do he's probably the best all-around player in the game and this is the these are hall of famers talking about him that's my thing is sometimes you get players being like oh yeah he's the best these are literally the best players of this era being like yeah yeah he was the best <laughs> it's it's such a yeah um uh, wins a silver bat 
uh, as an all-star in gold glove. Uh, they win the wild card. 328 batting average. 22 home runs. 94 RBIs. 43 double. This is... It's not quite Riser's Hornsby as far as power, but we're entering that but portion of that, his career yeah. where it's like that. And then we get... Do you want to talk about the playoffs or do you want to talk about the incident with the umpire first? Well, let's get into the... Because that, that happens first. Yes. So... Um, he felt like this ump was calling him John Hirschbeck. Yeah. John. He felt like he was just not calling him. Uh, how, how would he even put it fairly? So like he felt like he was calling balls on or calling strikes that were balls on purpose. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, he gets in his face. Some spit flies. Yep. <laughs> he really does spit in his face. He spits allegedly because he was called a derogatory term. Yes. By Hirschbeck. Which this is pre. Everything is scrutinized with video, so we don't really know. No. And then he came out and had some comments that were not nice. No. So he came out and said that the reason why uh, Hirschbeck did that was because his son had just got diagnosed or died with uh, ADL. You diagnosed with, yeah, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, yeah. And it was, yeah. It was it was not a good situation. I was just going to say, yes, it was not a good situation on anybody's end. He came out and had to apologize. I feel like the ump had to come out and be like, oh, yeah, we're on okay terms now, but I still fucking hate this guy. Yeah. You know, it was like... <laughs> he had to donate, or I shouldn't say he had to, but Alomar donated $50,000 to an ALS charity. Um, the issue, main issue was the umpires were going to start boycotting games if he wasn't suspended. Yeah. But what MLB did was suspend him because it's a September game itself heading to the playoffs baltimore's gonna make it they suspend him for five at the beginning of the following season and nobody's happy no and when they start the playoffs in cleveland where he's playing his brother everyone is booing the shit out of him yeah well it, it was just like if he was going to get suspended he should have been suspended that's what everybody yeah. was saying like what are we doing the suspension means nothing at the beginning of the next season this i'm i'm thinking the indians wish he was suspended after this series after the series because yeah. He does quite the fantastic job in the 96 uh, ALDS. He tears them up. Pretty much. Um, heading into game four, Baltimore's up two to one. Uh, games at Jacobs Field in Cleveland. And the top of the ninth has a huge two out single to tie the game at three and send it to extras. And then in the top of the 12th, he fucking hits a dinger dead center over Kenny Lofton's head. So not only does he tie the game, he wins the game. And that's what. It's kind of like what Cleveland was saying was like, well, if we're going to suspend him, he shouldn't have been here. We should have won this game. It, it, it's so much. They probably would have won that series. It's so much bad it. stuff from MLB, which I think this is the only time they've ever made a mistake. Uh, they so never make mistakes, Chris. They never do. <laughs> so it, that's what kind of sucks is you're just like, guys, again and again and again and again. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, 97. Uh, Orioles win the AL East this year. Yep. Uh, Makes the all-star team. Uh, hits 333. Misses a month due to a, a groin injury and some various other injuries. Um, still, 14 dingers, 60 RBIs in a shortened season. Like, the, he's not even 30 years old. Yeah. And he, it's like he's he's been in the league for a decade and he's not 30. That's ridiculous. We're talking some Mel Ott shit right here. <laughs> Uh, make the play. They win the division series. Hits 300 uh, against the Mariners. And then in the ALCS, he gets his brother. But his older brother gets some revenge on him, mm -hmm. giving him some pink bellies, telling him no more, telling him no more. This is when Cleveland goes through. 
Yep. Uh, Sandy um, has a big series for him. But... Which, looking back at these um, playoff series, they were just so fun. They had, you know, brother versus brother, and they had these teams that just kept meeting up against each other. Yeah. So it was really just great baseball. It's not randomness. Uh, yeah. 98, this is kind of when the Orioles start taking a really almost decade and a half worth of just crappy baseball. Yep. Um, even though he hit, I mean, it's a low, bad, I shouldn't say bad, but it's a mild season by his standards to hit 282, 14 homers, 36 doubles. Uh, he does win a gold glove. He goes to the all-star game and he wins the MVP of the all-star game the year after his brother does. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That game was actually in, uh, Denver. Um, he, uh, goes three for three in the game. And has a dinger to uh, the upper deck in right field, which is pretty cool. Um, but with his contract expiring, he decides he wants to go play for a contender, particularly one where there's a familiar face on it. Well, and it, it felt like the writing was on the wall for the Orioles, like we said. And he he becomes this hired gun in the sense that he's going to go to a good team. He's not going to go to... I'm not going for rebuilding. Yes, exactly. So he goes to the Indians, meets Mm. up with his brother. Um, They become one of the better defensive teams, obviously. As soon as he's slotted in, yes. It's it's kind of crazy when you think about this Indians team and not... I think the not only, what you know what they could have done. <laughs> oh, totally no, but I mean, I think the only shortstop that's won more Gold Gloves than Omar Vizquel is Ozzy Smith. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, just a so. freaking circus. I think the GM said just watching him turn a double play is worth the price of admission. Um, Robbie has a fantastic first year. In my opinion, he should have been the MVP I think this the, year. I think yeah. the only, he finished third. I think the only guys ahead of him were Ivan Rodriguez and Juan Gonzalez in Texas who may or may not have been taking performance. And I'm 100% and sure he was not. Yeah. So. Has a career high, uh, 24 homers and uh, 120 RBIs, 37 stolen bases, hits 323 and leads the AL with 138 runs. Still has the speed. Still, yeah. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. Cleveland coasts to the AL Center. He has 40 doubles. The extra base hits are ridiculous. Um, they uh, when the AL Central, they go to the postseason. They're up 2 to nothing. He's it's, hitting like 500 in the first two games against the Red Sox. It's the Sox. And then they collapse mm-hmm. in typical Cleveland fashion. Uh, hits 368 over the course of the series. But, uh, but yeah. They, yeah, they collapse. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, but the following year, he's just as good. Wins another silver bat, all star gold glove, hits 310, 40 doubles again, but 19 homers, 89 RBIs. But Cleveland misses the playoffs. They win yeah. 90 games, which is like you're running out of chances. 2001, they come back to the playoffs, but it, it, this is what everybody said about this Cleveland team. It, it was just a... They were all missed, offense, no pitching. Missed opportunity, yes. And it was a little lopsided in that they had just, yeah, slight holes that teams took advantage of because they ended up losing to the Mariners in 2001. We talked about that in our we, Mariner episode. Yep. This year was really... I did want to bring up, though, this year... He, oh, his stats. Yeah, Career-high yeah. 336 batting average, um, 20 homers, 100 RBIs, 30 stolen bases... He's a, but he's only thirty two. That's what I mean. But he's been in the he's been in the league for so long. You know what I yeah. mean? It, that's the thing. He's been in the league for over a decade. 
Yeah. And now we kind of start seeing the natural progression. Yeah. I mean, and that for a guy that's been in the league this long, you start seeing kind of he doesn't necessarily fall off a cliff. But no, it's no, just like but it's you're what a twelve year veteran at this point, and he's and just playing every day. He's he, not really missing games. He's just not at the top anymore. He doesn't. He's not getting Golden Gloves and, and Silver Sluggers, which is you know. Um, going to the Mets in 2002, I don't think helps. I was just going to say, I don't that's, think a, helps. that's a mental thing. <laughs> that's that's just a, make it stop. Yeah. Just make it stop. <laughs> that's like being on the second floor of a two or uh, uh, bottom floor of a two story outhouse. Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, only hits 266, uh, 11 dingers, 53 RBIs. Uh, 2003, he splits the year between the Mets and White Sox. Uh, they try bringing him on. For a late postseason run, but they just can't quite get there. Yeah, two thousand four. I was actually at the opening day after he signed with the uh, Diamondbacks. Really, I went up to Phoenix. Oh, that's watched cool. him. Oh, uh, yeah. Does a great job. Hits three oh nine, but misses a bunch of games due to uh, hand injury. Injury. Yeah. Um, gets sent back to the White Sox again for a late postseason run, but hits only one eighty. Mm-hmm. Hits only one eighty, and meets uh, up with his brother again. They seem to meet, but not for outside of Cleveland, not for very long. Well, yeah, outside of Cleveland, that was when they were both being serious in their prime. They should have won or at least gone to a World Series. Yeah. Um, meet up again, and this is really when you just see him kind of... Well, he's 36, 37. And he's been playing for 15 years. Yeah, he's been a professional baseball player so, since 17. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's nuts. Uh, January, he signs with the Tampa Bay Rays for $600,000. Uh, unfortunately... He's not up to snuff. He's mm-hmm. even talked about how I didn't want to embarrass myself out yeah. there. Like, if I got to a point where it was just not working, I'm not going to stay there for a paycheck. I've done enough with my career. Um, March 19th, he retires after taking himself out of a game after multiple errors uh, in one inning. Um, he just said, my back, my legs, and my eyes aren't the same. Yep. Which... All right, now let's get into well, why. His... I, I, how about I bring up his career stats before All we right. just completely? Because it's important. It's important because before... he does have Hall of Fame with. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame um, stats. Two, two, so... 2011, second year of eligibility. Probably should have made it the first time. That's but all right. The, the Hirschbeck thing. So they, some people say he was the best second baseman of his generation. It's hard to say no to that. Yeah. I mean, 300 career batting average. 2,724 hits, 210 dingers, 474 stolen bases, 12-time All-Star, second baseman record, 10 gold gloves, four silver bats, two World Series, an ALCS MVP, and honestly, one of the best switch hitters of yeah. his generation. So much too. shit that sometimes stuff gets over overshadowed. You're like, oh yeah, he was a disgusting switch hitter like there was a great pat henkin quote who had won a cy young for the blue jays and was one of his teammates he goes i tell him robbie was a career 300 hitter a clutch hitter also a guy who could hit for power a great base runner and a great base stealer and the best part is his glove like you yeah. couldn't want anything the best more. part was his defense. and he could get on base early in his career by bunting mm-hmm. like just due to his spe- i mean he was awesome. Well, they His said post. Well, go ahead. I was going to say somebody said, and, and I like this, where everybody was talks about five tool players, and he was one of the rare players that had that six tool of intuition, where like he knew what was going to happen almost before, so he'd almost like be leaning to a side, or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. th- he was so. He, I mean, he grew up in baseball so much that he just like knew what was going to come. Um, not so much post career. 
Well, post-career. So the Blue Jays actually... They say never meet your heroes, Chris. The Blue Jays actually take him on in like a front office position. Did you see this? I did. And then they had to fire him because this is what we're going to start talking about was he had sexual harassment claims by multiple women. um, Back from 2014 and some other years, too. His (laughs) uh, ex-wife alleged domestic violence against them. Thrice. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Just like the band. Once with a knife. (laughs) Oh, there you Um, go. And the, the cherry on top. Why don't you give it to me? Ooh, so Robbie... Whether it's true or not, but these have been settled, so there might be some kernels of truth, if you know what I mean. Allegedly. Allegedly sued by four different women for knowingly exposing them to Magic Johnson Syndrome, HIV. The HIV virus. Um, It's sad to think that if this is true, um, he obviously has a lot of problems. The Blue Jays fired him and actually took down his Hall of Fame uh banner i saw the level of excellence the level of, yeah, 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 in, yeah like so his number i don't think is retired anymore yes his number's not retired which anymore. is shitty because he's the first his hall of fame plaque's still in there he's still in the hall of fame but he was the first guy with a blue jays cap on yes in cooperstown in, in cooperstown and they had to be like dude what are you doing because it was like i think this is the blue jays take was it was like dude this is like a bunch of women and it was like a ton of evidence against you not necessarily i'm saying he allegedly, paid out four million dollars in these hiv alleged knowingly transferable allegedly. lawsuits but and also because of the sexual harassment not only is he axed by mlb he's banned from baseball mm-hmm. he's on the ineligible list him and see pd rose pete you got to do this after your career you got to start being a degenerate gambler the second it's over the right. second it's over because you'll still be in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, he's on the ineligible list. And pretty much you can't touch him with a 10-foot pole anymore, which is devastating because he was so damn good. He was so damn good as a baseball player. Best second baseman of his generation, but he doesn't deserve the no. stuff for his post-career if accolades. Any of the, at, accolades. at least these women weren't 12, I guess, yeah. like our Carl Malone. But that doesn't make it right. Carl Malone. Carl Malone. Robbie Alomar. <laughs> but no, Robbie Alomar, yeah. Hall of Fame baseball player, maybe not such a Hall of Fame person. Brothers. Brothers.